How would you behave if you changed places with the President, the Prime Minister or your boss? On Search for Truth today, we continue to study the character of Joseph and what happened to him and how he behaved as his circumstances changed, sometimes drastically. Our Bible teacher Brian Johnston is leading us through this study and picking out lessons we can learn for our own benefit. So Brian, where's Joseph living this week? Yes, he's moved into Pharaoh's house this week. But let's think back for a moment about where he was before in the prison. Well, the prison might have been a tough test of Joseph's character, but a tougher test was still to come in the palace. If that seems hard to understand, think about this. Our faith is tested more in good times than in bad, for when life is easy and power is at our disposal, it's so easy to forget God and to abuse any authority that we may have. According to the former United States President, Abraham Lincoln, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. We're going to see Joseph tested in that way. It was in the palace that Joseph was called upon to display the maturity that he'd gained in prison. However, before we get to that part, we first have got to get Joseph out of the prison, haven't we? That didn't turn out to be as easy as Joseph perhaps first thought, because the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but rather forgot him. This is what we read now in Genesis chapter 41. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. The king of Egypt was puzzled about the meaning of this dream, Perhaps it was only now, when the cupbearer saw a chance to do himself a good turn, he finally got around to doing one for Joseph. We make that suggestion because there's more to the word remember than first meets the eye. It conveys the notion of looking upon with favour. There was now opportunity for the cupbearer to offer advice after the king of Egypt had been troubled by this dream. The cupbearer was able to recommend to Pharaoh someone whom he knew only too well had a proven track record in interpreting dreams. Joseph, of course. Since God was with Joseph, he was indeed able to assist the king just as he had the cupbearer. Joseph explained the seven fat cows represented seven years of bumper crops, but the seven lean or thin cows represented the fact that the seven years of plenty would be followed by seven years of famine. Obviously, this episode brought Joseph and his God-given abilities to the attention of the king, as by it he warned Pharaoh that a famine was coming. Who better for Pharaoh to put in charge of managing it than the young man who now stood before him? This is what was said, Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land, and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming, and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority, and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. 
Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This same wisdom with which he'd been endowed extended to a plan to manage the future famine that God had indicated was coming. Soon Joseph was installed as Pharaoh's deputy, the second in command of all Egypt. When the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the earth. We now begin to see how God was weaving the strands together, because who should come down to Egypt to beg for bread but Joseph's treacherous older brothers? Without even being aware of it, they bowed down before this impressive ruler dressed in all his Egyptian finery, and so fulfilled God's early revelation to Joseph, all without realising it, of course. For how were they to know the splendid figure before them was their kid brother? But he knew them, that's for sure. Time to get even? That's how many might have thought. And that's the test that Joseph faced in the time of his prosperity. How many in history have used their arrival in a position of power as an opportunity to settle personal scores? But not Joseph. Instead, he hatched an impromptu plan, or I suspect it was an impromptu plan, to check if his brothers had learned from their earlier mistake of mistreating him. By engineering circumstances which offered the older brothers the chance to free themselves if they now abandoned Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, Joseph effectively made his brothers revisit the scene of their previous crime against him. This time, they chose not to abandon Benjamin. That's when Joseph discovered that they too were changed men. It was made obvious when they began to reveal guilt and remorse for what they'd done to Joseph and refused to repeat the mistake with Benjamin. This was a very mature thing for Joseph to do. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. Joseph did the right thing in reacting in this way to the opportunity which presented itself, even though he'd been greatly wronged by his brothers. Insight might bring you power, but it's character that brings you respect. And we respect Joseph for the character he showed in a tough test. As has been famously said, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely.
uh, second only to the king of Egypt. Joseph had virtually absolute power in that land, but he demonstrates that the principles learned in his youth hadn't been corrupted. This is a man who's conscious that God is with him and has been with him all the way until this point. The God whose presence had restrained him from immorality, the God whose presence had strengthened him in the prison, was the same God whose presence now held him back from lusting after revenge. He's going to say it explicitly later, but we can already discern it, that Joseph senses the hand of God upon his life. So there's a godly integrity about his actions in Pharaoh's house. We ask ourselves, how would we have done? Our circumstances may be much less extreme, but is there someone who has wounded us deeply? How have we handled it? Can you, like Joseph, trust God's sovereign hand in the midst of it? Is there someone you need to forgive? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you've enjoyed this series of talks so far, and we still have a few more to come, why not get hold of the free book which accompanies this series? It's a digital uh, e-book, unless you specify otherwise, and it can be yours for the asking if you write in by post or by email. Just ask for the Vital Home Truths, that's the title, and as I say, uh, our postal address first is Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooded Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Also, uh, look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org. 
We're excited that this will uh, give you yet another excellent way of accessing again what you first heard here uh, live on air. So thanks again for the pleasure of your company today. Uh, the crew here at Search for Truth uh, really appreciate your interest in these studies, so a huge thank you for tuning in. I look forward to your company next week if you're able, but until then, it's cheerio and very best wishes from our teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you soon and may God richly bless you. They tried my Lord, they tried my Lord and Master With no one to, with no one to defend Within the halls, within the halls of Pilate He stood with us, he Because he brought salvation.